All right, thank you, Miss Denise. What a beautiful song, and I'm glad to know the Lord, aren't you? Amen. Know who holds our hand. Take your Bibles, if you would, and let's open the Word of God to Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. So glad you're here with us this morning to fellowship around the Word of God and just to enjoy uh, the company of believers. It's great to be part of a good church family. We're talking about that in Sunday school during our new member class. I say Sunday school. We, um, we're currently not having a Sunday school hour, but we have some new members and going through our new member class. And we're doing it during our what would be our Sunday school time. And we're having a great time of fellowship. Well, actually, lately we've been talking about the possibility of adding a Sunday evening service. But after this morning, I think we need to add breakfast. <laughs> Amen. We had a good time. It was good, wasn't it? And uh, the fellowship is good. And, you know, it's, we're talking about the benefits of being a part of a church family, what, what, what it means to join a church family. And, uh, you know, God is so good to give us the gift of the local church and the things that he supplies to us through that avenue. It's really such a, it's a blessing to, to be a part of it, and it's, it's wonderful to understand it, because then you, you really can clearly see what God's doing, and uh, it's so exciting. It's just a joyful thing to be part of the Lord's work and to allow God to work in you and through you uh, in the lives of other people. And uh, so we praise the Lord for that, and we're thankful for y'all being here, and we're thankful for uh, those who are joining our church family that's an exciting time, you know, to see that happening, and we thank the Lord for that. And, uh, boy, it's just been good. I know you're enjoying that cool weather, amen? And it's always nice for a little change and a little relief from the heat. And uh, we just need, you know, we need a longer fall season is what we need around here. We need to just ask, let's petition the Lord for that and just ask for a little longer, a little longer uh, season of fall and cool, just a little cool weather like this. I'm calling this cool. What's what we have right now? And uh, even though it's not really cold but it's it's better amen it's good i like it i tell well a lot of you do uh, i know by the comments and of course the smiles and a little, little cheerfulness starts setting in the atmosphere it seems like when things cool off a bit so uh, it's a great time of year and uh, great to be a part of it luke chapter 16 if you found your place in the word of god uh, we're reading again this story that jesus told and uh, we're going to have prayer and then begin reading in verse 19 And we'll read the rest of the chapter. So if you found your place, let's stand together for the reading of God's word. As our custom is, we'll have prayer and then we'll begin reading in verse 19. So let's pray together. Father, how we love you today. How we thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. And at this time in our service, Lord, we we certainly thank you for the fellowship of our church family and other believers, friends and family. It's good to gather together. Lord, we thank you for the good music and the special singing how meaningful each one of those songs were, and we just thank you for that. Thank you for Brother Zach uh, stepping in, helping lead that, and being a part of the service that way. Those that sang from their heart, Lord, it's just a beautiful thing. And now we come to the reading of the Word of God, and Lord, we just want to pause before we begin this portion of our service. And we just want to give this time to you. We ask you, Lord, to be our teacher and guide through the Scriptures. We pray, dear Holy Spirit, that you'll speak to every heart, Because we know you have a purpose and a plan for each of us. We know, Lord, that you want us to find our place in your plan. And so we dedicate this time to you and we just ask you to, Lord, have our attention and have our desires, have our thoughts and our intentions. We pray, Lord, you just have your way in in our hearts. As we read the scriptures, we pray you'll just illuminate those things that, that we need to see. Lord, teach us, show us what you'd have us to do. 
Help us to learn and grow from the message today. And we'll thank you, Lord, for all that you do. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. All right, verse 19, the Bible says, There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot. Neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto them, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Wow, what a powerful conclusion, right? And we know that he's right. Today I want to preach from this passage of Scripture a message entitled, The Truth About Lazarus. The Truth About Lazarus. Thank you. You may be seated. We've looked at this story and we, we began these series of messages by introducing this story as it is, as a story and not a parable. There are people that try to dismiss this passage of Scripture. They say it's a parable and because of that they, they kind of dismiss everything that it teaches. Well, I think that's a false premise for two reasons. Number one... It's not a parable because in this story, Jesus named a real person, Lazarus. And Jesus never names real people in parables because a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And so we, we, we refute that because this is not a parable, it's a real story. Number two, because if this was a parable, all parables teach a lesson. And if this was a parable, what lesson do you think Jesus was teaching? It's pretty obvious, isn't it? So the very thing they try to dismiss by calling this a parable is the very thing the parable would be teaching. And so again, it's just a false premise. This is a true story. Jesus told it for a reason because he wants us to get the heart of the message. And the heart of the message is that God doesn't want anyone to go to hell. Yet Jesus talked more about hell than he did heaven. There's a reason for that, because he wanted to warn us. You see, if you read and understand the Bible, 
you know that God did not make hell for us, any of us. God made hell for the devil and his angels. But the sad truth is, we're born into this life with a sinful nature. And because we take act upon that and we actually sin, every one of us commit our own sin. We get to the point where we know the difference between good and bad, and we choose the wrong anyway, and at that point, we're accountable. They call it the age of accountability, but it's not really an age. It's, it's a moment in time when you become aware, you become accountable, because you know the difference between right and wrong, and you choose wrong anyway. When that time comes, you're responsible for your sins. And if you die in your sins and you reject Jesus Christ, the one who came and died to pay for our sins, if you reject that, if you do not accept what he did to pay for your sins, then that excludes heaven. So there's nowhere left for a person to go besides hell. That's why it's so important that we hear the message of the gospel, that we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and and that we're saved And that we're prepared when we go out into eternity so that we can go to heaven. But for those who refuse that, there's nowhere else to go but hell. That's why people end up in hell. It's not that God sends them. They really kind of send themselves. Because they refuse the only provision that God gave us to enter into heaven. Well, we've talked about hell as a real place and what that means. We talked about the, the truth of this parable, we, the, the, this story, the fact that it's not a parable. We, we talked about Abraham and his testimony. And last week, we spent a lot of time looking at what Abraham said and what that meant for us. Today, I want to look at Lazarus in this story because Lazarus is the real person. Well, Abraham was a real person as well. Uh, Lazarus, in particular, though, was, was a key player in this story. He's the one that had constant contact with the rich man. And the Bible says some things about Lazarus that I think we need to understand. First of all, let me just say that I don't think there's any indication here whatsoever for us to come away with the idea that Lazarus went to heaven because he was poor and the rich man went to hell because he was rich. That is not what the Bible says. It's not what it's teaching here. God is not against wealth or wealthy people. As a matter of fact, Abraham was a very wealthy person. All right, One of the most wealthy in his time. And yet he was a very godly man, and we find Abraham here in paradise. Abraham in, in a place we would call heaven, and we see him, uh, you know, enjoying the Lord. So God's not against, well, don't come away with that conclusion, or you'd really be off, off point. The Bible does tell us, though, because the rich man was asking for Lazarus to leave comfort and enter this place of torment, for the only purpose of wetting his tongue, a convenience. So Abraham says, hey, you remember in your lifetime, you had it all good, he had it all bad. I'm not going to bring him out of comfort now to come help you. That's basically what Abraham was telling him. He said, besides all that, no one can switch places. Once you enter eternity, your destiny's set. Some people have the idea, oh, preacher, you know, that all sounds good. Look, when I die and I stand before God, well, then I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll, I'll get it right then. No, 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 it's too late then. Because when you die and stand before God, at that moment, he's going to be your judge, not your savior. It's going to be too late to ask for mercy. The rich man was begging for mercy, but it was, he didn't get any. 
It was too late. We have to make our preparations for eternity now in this time. The Bible says now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. Right? Not yesterday, not tomorrow. Right now. If you're here today and you don't know where you'll spend eternity, heaven or hell, I want to encourage you to make your reservations today. Get that settled, man. You're in a place where we can help you with that. And we certainly want to do that. I want to look at Lazarus and what he said. And I want to say some things about Lazarus that will help us understand this matter of where he went and why he was uh, in the place that he was in. As we notice, the Bible says that, of course, both of these men died. And the Bible says that that Lazarus, uh, he died. And in verse 22, it says, It came to pass the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. All right? So here we find the details of Lazarus' death. And we find him being escorted. And then the Bible says the rich man also died and was buried. We'll talk about him later. He obviously didn't go to heaven. And that's why we have this story where the Lord gives us this contrast. These two men lived together. They knew each other. Lazarus sat right outside the gate of this rich man. Possibly this rich man scraped the crumbs from his table toward Lazarus. Maybe that's what attracted the dogs over there. And poor Lazarus sitting outside the gate. And, 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 the, and the rich man... Uh, you know, largely ignored, I believe, what Lazarus was trying to say. But we see Lazarus, the Bible says we see him in Abraham's bosom. We see him in what we would call heaven, paradise, right? And he's enjoying the comforts of of being with the Lord. Think about this. This is awesome. He is comforted in verse 25, Abraham says, and thou art tormented. Let's, let's look at the truth about Lazarus here for a moment. Number one, I want you to understand that this story tells us the truth about Lazarus. It tells us, number one, that Lazarus was a saved man. Lazarus was a saved man. Now, we don't see anything in the Bible here about, about him attending preaching. We don't see anything about him having a, a copy of the scriptures under his arm. We don't even hear anything about him quoting Bible verses or, or, or even given a testimony of the Lord. But sometimes, when you look at a scene, sometimes you pick up on things that are not, that are not done or, or, or spoken, yet they are still true. Even though we don't have a record of Lazarus' conversion, like we have for the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 9, who at that time was known as Saul of Tarsus. What a dramatic conversion he had. I'm glad that's recorded in the scripture, aren't you? It tells us, boy, there's hope for anybody. We don't have Lazarus' conversion recorded in the scripture, but we know this to be true, that Lazarus was a saved man. Why do we know that? Well, number one, we know only saved people go to heaven. That's the message of the Bible tells us that. God is not inconsistent. He doesn't do it one way yesterday and another way tomorrow and another way next week. Right? We know that down through the corridors of history and throughout all time, all men everywhere have been saved the same way, by faith in God's plan. The Old Testament sacrificial system all portrayed what was coming. It all was a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ on the cross. So those in the Old Testament who believed on the Lord... They practiced the sacrificial system as a demonstration of their faith. It was all like acting out a play. 
that the blood of Jesus would one day cover our sins. You remember the story of Cain and Abel? Abel was the one who acted in faith. He believed God's plan. He brought an offering, a blood sacrifice. God accepted that. Cain was like people today. Cain said, I'm going to do it my way. Right? Hey, if he can do his thing, I'm going to do my thing. Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground, some of his crops. He bought the best of what he had, and he set it before God on a platter. Hey, Lord, this is my best. You know, there's people still trying to get to heaven that way. They're still trying to be better and do good and live right. You know, there's only one problem with that plan. It doesn't work. And there's two reasons why it doesn't work. Number one, it doesn't work because it's not biblical. God never told us to do enough good to earn our way to heaven. That's not in the Bible. God gave the law in the Old Testament to the children of Israel to teach them that they were not good enough. To help them understand they needed a Savior. One day Jesus was going to come. And the reason why they needed him to come is because they are not good enough. We are not good enough. Adam and Eve couldn't keep God's law in the garden. (laughs) They just had one rule, right? Don't eat of this tree. Israel couldn't keep God's Ten Commandments. Couldn't do it. The reason you can't keep the Ten Commandments is because it's a package deal. Right? You go to Exodus 20, you can read all the Ten Commandments. And here's what Brother James told us about that. You keep them all or you don't. If you break one, you've broken them. You're guilty of all. So people who say, well, you know, I think, preacher, maybe I've kept seven out of ten. You're guilty. You missed. Right? And that's what the Bible says in Romans 3.23. All of sin comes short. Right? Short. Of the glory of God. It means we miss the mark. You you can miss it by a little or you can miss it by a lot, but you still missed. That's what the gospel is all about. It's about helping us connect. It's about making up the difference. It's It's about believing on Christ and allowing his offering to satisfy a holy God, to wash away our sins, because we can't do that. Look, The good deeds that you do don't erase the bad ones you've done. And that's why being good and doing better and all of that will never get anybody to heaven. People who believe that, there's always one more thing, one more thing, one more thing they're trying to do. They never know if they've ever done enough. Why? Because you can never do enough. We all know that in our conscience. And that's why we keep trying and we keep adding and we keep doing. Our conscience is never soothed, though. Because in our conscience, deep within, we know we could never be good enough. Because good enough is perfect. And that's something we've never been. If perfect is the qualification, none of us make it. That's why Christ stepped in. So if Lazarus is in heaven... It's because he was a saved man. What does it mean to be saved? It means that you understand that you're lost. Right? I quoted Romans 3.23 a moment ago. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. 
But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So how do you get eternal life? It's only through Jesus. So the fact that Lazarus had it means that he must have received this message at some point in his life. Even though we didn't see it happen outside the rich man's home, he was already saved before that point. I believe that Lazarus was telling the rich man he needed to be saved. I think that's why God allowed him to be there. I think that's how the rich man got to know him. I think that's why the rich man was calling for him in hell. Send Lazarus! Why would he do that? Because he knew Lazarus was a saved man. Lazarus had given him the gospel. Lazarus had talked to him about God. Nobody else cared enough to do that. But Lazarus was faithful to tell him about the Lord and to help him prepare for eternity. But he didn't listen. Oh, now he's ready to listen. But it's too late. Hey, have you listened? Have you listened to the Lord speaking to your heart? Have you listened when God sent people to you, friends and family members, people who prayed for you, people who loved you, people who gave you gospel tracts, asked you to read it and get saved, people who invited you to church? Have you listened? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Hey, I'm going to tell you something. It doesn't matter that you've tried to be good. It doesn't matter that you've attended church. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, when you die, you're going to split hell wide open, just like the rich man. The Bible says Lazarus was the one carried. He's the one that was in Abraham's bosom. He's the one that was comforted. Why? Because Lazarus was a saved man. It's the only way you get there. The only way anybody gets to heaven is they have to be saved. They have to put their faith, their trust, their belief in God's plan of salvation. There's no other way to make it. So if Lazarus made it, he must have been a saved man. The Bible says in order to be saved, you have to understand you were a sinner. I'm sure Lazarus understood that. In order to be a saved man, you have to not only know you're a sinner, you have to know there's condemnation coming. Would you look in your Bibles at John chapter 3 for a moment? Look at John chapter 3. Now everybody knows John three sixteen. It's one of the most popular verses in the Bible, maybe the most popular verse. It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, Right? but have everlasting life. That's why Jesus came. But look at verse 18. It says, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Why? Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. People who don't understand that are the ones who don't understand Romans 3.23 and 6.23 that were already guilty of sin. And the wages of sin is death. And that condemnation, that sentence to hell is already on us. It's like we're already on the railroad tracks to hell. And if we don't let Jesus pull the lever and switch the tracks... There's nowhere else to go. 
The rich man was on his tracks all his life, trugging along, headed toward hell. He just didn't know it. He was condemned already. Lazarus got the message. He accepted Jesus. The Lord forgave him, pulled that lever. Lazarus, his life was changed. Now, is that really biblical? Pull the lever. Let me show it to you. Look at John chapter 5, verse 24. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life or switched. I think of it as switching those railroad tracks. That's just an illustration that comes in my mind. Passed from death and life. What does that mean? It means the Lord changed your destiny forever. The tracks were switched and now you're on your way to heaven. Not because of you but because of Jesus in you. The Bible says, He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. So Lazarus died. He had a relationship with Jesus. He went to heaven. The rich man died. He did not have a relationship with Jesus. The Bible says, in hell he lift up his eyes. My question to you is, where are you going? Lazarus was a saved man. Why do I believe that? Because we're in the book of John, chapter 3. Look at verse 3. Jesus himself said this. It says in verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You have to be born again. What does that mean? That's what we call being saved or being born again, or born from above, that's when God does something in you that you cannot do for yourself. And He only does it when you stop believing in yourself and your goodness and what you can do and your church membership and all that stuff. And you start believing in Jesus Christ. That He died on the cross for my sin. That his blood is the only thing that can wash away my sins. It's the only eraser that works. How many of y'all had an eraser that doesn't work? You know what I'm talking about. Jesus' blood is the only eraser that works. That's why we know Lazarus must have been a saved man, because it worked. He ended up in heaven, right? He was under condemnation. He understood that. Look at John chapter 3, verse 36. It says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. It remains on him, like it's already there, and it's going to stay now. Those, the wording of that is very important. Lazarus, we say Lazarus was a saved man. Turn to John 14, and look at verse 6. In John 14, 6, Thomas had asked a question, Lord, how, how do we know where you're going and how can we know the way to how to get there? Jesus was talking about heaven. And he said in verse 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but how? By me. So if Lazarus was in paradise, if he was in the midst of God, Lazarus certainly then was what we would call a saved man. He had his faith in the right place. 
So I want you to see the truth about Lazarus this morning. Number one, Lazarus was a saved man. Are you saved? That's the question. Number two, and by the way, that's not just a question for you. Part of the reason why I preach messages like this is to help you know how to share Christ with others. And that's a good question for you to ask people. Hey, I'm saved. Are you saved? Hey, I'm going to heaven when I die. Are you going to heaven? It helps open up the discussion and get people talking about that. Now, look, you need to know that some people are a little uncomfortable talking about that. But that's okay. They have to learn to get comfortable with it because it is a discussion you have to have. So comfortable or uncomfortable, it has to start somewhere. Don't be afraid to be the person to, to bring it up and to kind of break the ice and get it started and get them started talking and thinking about it because somebody needs to help them like Lazarus tried to help the rich man. Lazarus was a saved man, we would say, number one. The truth about Lazarus. Number two, Lazarus was in paradise. Look what the Bible says. In verse 22, it says, And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. Abraham's bosom and paradise are the same place. It says, The rich man also died and was buried, and in hell he lifted up his eyes. Right? And he was in a different place. He was in hell. Then Abraham says, verse 26, Between us and you, there's two compartments here. Between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed. Or in other words, you can think of it like a brick wall. It wasn't brick because the, you know, the rich man could see through it, but it's, it serves as a good object lesson. He's saying there's a partition, there's a divider. There's something in the middle that's going to stop traffic both ways. There's not a third place in the middle. There's a wall in between. That's what he was saying. There's, there's something stopping traffic in the middle. In verse 26... So that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Right? So he says this. So this place that he's in is called Abraham's bosom. I I, I really need to do a whole message on just that. Abraham's bosom is paradise. This is the place where people went before Jesus died on the cross. This was heaven for them until... Until the real sacrifice was made on Calvary and the real blood was taken into heaven and sprinkled on the mercy seat, no one could go into heaven until that time. Jesus made a way. He's the one that tore down the wall of partition. That's another message. But understand that concept. That's what we're talking about. And so I use, I use paradise interchangeably with this place called Abraham's bosom. It's called paradise. We could call it heaven, okay? Because it was, for those people at that time, it was, it was what, it, you know, it was, it was their heaven, so to speak. Now, it was temporary, right? But it was the place that was used for that purpose. I want to show you some verses. Look at, look at Luke 23. We're in the book of Luke. Turn over to chapter 23. We said Lazarus was in paradise. Look at the Bible says about this place. Verse 23, or excuse me, Luke 23, verse 43. And the Bible says in verse 43, And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Jesus was on the cross. He's saying this to the thief. They're both going to die. He says to the one who believes, right? Not the one who worked hard, not the one who lived a good life. Obviously, that's not true. 
but the one who believed on Jesus. He said to him, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Hey, listen, that's how quick salvation is. That's how secure salvation is. He said, today you will be with me in paradise. That's awesome. Man, isn't that good? You don't have to hope so. Man, I hope God's in a good mood today. No, 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 no. God gave us a promise. God has a plan. God made the payment. And when that payment's applied, man, it works. And it's real. And so Jesus used this expression, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. He's talking about this same place where Abraham was and where Lazarus ended up. So they're used interchangeably. Look at, look at this. This is Paul the Apostle. Go to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. What did Paul... Now this is after Christ died on the cross and made the way. And, and by the way, Jesus... Uh, released the people that were in paradise to actually go to real heaven. This is after all of that. And 2 Corinthians 12, notice what Paul says. Look at verse 4. Back up and let's catch verse 3. He said, I, I, I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth how that he was caught up into paradise. And heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. He's talking about being caught up into heaven, and he's using the term paradise interchangeably with heaven. A lot of Bible scholars believe that when Paul the Apostle was stoned on his missionary journey and left for dead outside the city, they believe he actually died and went to heaven and then came back. I guess it wasn't his time. And they believe that this is what he's referencing here when he says, I know a man that was caught up to heaven. Well, he's talking about himself. Well, that may be. And, and, and as powerful as that is, I'm just wanting you to note one small detail right here. That's what Sherlock Holmes would do, right? He would notice the small detail that he called heaven paradise. So, so look, let's not split hairs over, over terms. Let's, let's understand it's okay to, to interchange these words a little bit. We're speaking in a practical sense. Not a theological one, right? So if I, if I refer to heaven as paradise or paradise as heaven, it's okay. Even Paul did that. Notice in Revelation chapter 2, here's another place where this idea of paradise was mentioned. And I'm just giving you a quick thing. This is not what I was talking about a moment ago where you can actually study the details and the order of things, how that each place, uh, you know, work and what those places represented. But in Revelation chapter 2, verse 7, it says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God, which is a reference to heaven. All right, so just, just showing you that they can be used a little interchangeably there. That's okay. All right, we, we understand what we're talking about. Paradise. Look, what we're saying is Lazarus was in the right place. What's the point of this story Jesus told? The whole point was, are you going to the right place? Hey, the rich man, he didn't make it in the right place. He thought he was going. He thought he was good. He was successful in life. He had everything money could buy. But there's one thing he didn't have that you can't buy, by the way. He didn't have a relationship with Christ. He didn't have salvation. Now look, he, he might have had, had a religion. He might have had a religious affiliation. That stuff doesn't get you to heaven. 
You could be a member of Beckwith Baptist Church and die and go to hell. If you don't have a relationship with Christ, if you've never been forgiven of your sins. That's what a lot of people don't understand. It's part of the reason why we make an attempt to get to know our new members and have a new member class and talk to them about salvation and try to make sure we got all these bases covered because I, I'm a kind of pastor that, hey, I don't want anybody to die and go to hell under my leadership. That's, that's sad. Some leaders don't take the time to make sure people have these boxes checked and that, that they've done the right things and taken the right steps. That's so sad. But they're so busy trying to amass a crowd, they don't take time for individuals. And it happens. And so sometimes you have people in churches who, who haven't quite put it all together yet because no one's taken the time to help them with the pieces of the puzzle to get it all in the right place. Right? And so that's what I'm trying to do. That's what makes our church different from a lot of other churches. Okay? A lot of other churches may not make that effort. Now, for the ones that do, hallelujah, my hat's off to them because they're doing it right. But some... Well, they miss some of this stuff, and it's really important. And if you ask the rich man, he would say it's important. But in his life, he didn't take the time to make sure that every I was dotted and every T was crossed with Jesus. How sad. The truth about Lazarus, I believe, is that he was a saved man. Lazarus was in paradise. He went to the right place. Number three, Lazarus. This is really the point, I guess. Lazarus was prepared for eternity. Lazarus was prepared. Can I tell you what? Look, this is why we have a Bible. This is why the Bible exists. John told us the reason. He said, look, Jesus came to this earth. He died on the cross to pay for our sins. Look, if, if everything was written about him that could be written, he said, man, the whole world couldn't contain the books. Okay, if, if that's true, then why do we have this? 1 John chapter 5 tells us why. Because we know that God gave us his word. This book is inspired of God. These are the words of God in the hands of man, right? Okay, so 1 John 5, 13 says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. You see, God not only wanted you to end up in the right place, He wanted you to know how to get there. It's too important to mess up. This is not a guessing game, it's not a happenstance, and it's not a hope so. God said, I want you to know. Know that you have eternal life. Can you know that? I've met people that say, well, I don't know. Can anybody know that? Yes, the Bible says you can know that. And God gave us the details. He told us, we call it revelation. It's truth that God revealed to us. He gave it to us. We would not know it otherwise. But it comes in this book. We call it revelation. God revealed some things to us so that we could know. Because without this book, folks, we, we would have no idea. Have you ever asked people what they think about how to get to heaven? Man, I'm telling you, it's, 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 it's cute. It's humorous. But it is vastly wide. People have all different kind of opinions and ideas about what it takes to get to heaven. And if we didn't have this book right here, I'm telling you, we'd all miss it. 
we'd all miss it. Lazarus was prepared for eternity. Let me show you a couple of verses real quick. Look at Hebrews, if you would. Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 says this. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. Now the Hebrew writer is making a point here. I want to stop for a moment because I'm not teaching through Hebrews at this time. I want, I want to make this point for you. The world doesn't, doesn't know this, right? They wonder about this. But according to this, if the Bible's true, and we believe it is, that's why we're here, right? 927, according to, the Bible says, it's appointed unto men once to die, and after this, the judgment. Hey, class, is there life after death? Yes. We don't have to wonder about that. We don't have to guess. No games. We know. Because God told us. There's life after death. And the first thing we're going to experience is judgment. Right? And that judgment is going to be, it's going to execute our destiny. Now, we could go through a lot of stuff, but by the time you get to that judgment, by the way, there's two different judgments, one for saved people and one for lost people. They're going to be, they're, they're a different experience. And what you've done in this life and whether or not you've accepted Christ as your Savior is going to determine which judgment you go to. The Bible tells us all that. And if you end up at the judgment of the lost, you're going to hell, and there's, it's not going to be changed. It's already predetermined. Condemned already. That's what John chapter 3 said. So there's life after death. There is a judgment coming. We, Lazarus was prepared for eternity. He was prepared because of the expression of faith. The Bible says, uh, right before the book of Hebrews, in Titus chapter 3, in verse 5, the Bible says, Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, talking about Jesus Christ, He saved us, right? He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Because of His shed blood and because of the Holy Spirit living within, that's how we can be saved and become part of the family of God. Not because we were good people, right? That's what that verse means. Turn back to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, look at verses 8 and 9. The Bible says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Hey, you know what? It's never been about works. Nobody ever got to heaven based on how good they were. Why? Because if we did that, we'd get to heaven, and man, we, hey, listen, we'd be strutting down, down uh, the golden street. We'd be saying, hey, look at me. Hey, you, let me tell you what I did to get here. Hey, let, let me tell you. Let me tell you how I got to heaven. Right? It'd be all about us. No, when we get to heaven, it's going to be all about Jesus. And the reason it's going to be all about Jesus is because none of us were good enough to get to heaven, and without Him, we'd all end up in hell. That's why Jesus came and died on the cross, because there was no other way. He, he gave His life. Uh, he offered Himself so that we might be forgiven of our sins. And when we get to heaven, we're going to be singing His praise, not ours. Obviously, Lazarus was prepared 
for eternity because of faith in Christ. Jesus said, I am the way. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you get to heaven, it's going to be because you know Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, I want to invite you today to get to know him. Come to the front in just a moment and say, Pastor, I want to know Jesus. We'll have somebody take the Bible show you how. Today, if you're sitting here hoping you're going to heaven, let us take the Bible and show you how you can know you're going to heaven. This is too important to miss, man. Don't be like the rich man. He sure missed the mark. He made it to the wrong place. And the reason why is because he didn't take the time to make sure he got it right before he died. It is appointed unto men once to die, and after that, the judgment. Are you ready? This is the truth about Lazarus. I believe Lazarus was ready. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, how we love you today and how we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your word, which helps us to know the things that we should so that we can have forgiveness of sins. Christ is our Savior and a home in heaven one of these days. Lord, the way the world's looking, one of these days is sure looking a lot closer. And so I pray, Lord, not only are we ready, but we'll help others get ready more and more as we see the day approaching. So bless and help us, Lord. Show us what you'd have us do. Make it clear that we might come forward, Lord, and do business with you today. And leave this place knowing that our home's in heaven. In Christ's name we ask. Amen.